Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring John Martellero from the Mac Observer. We'll also hear from Computer World's Johnny Evans. There's so much more to hear on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah! We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer joining us. And we're going to start our great discussion this week on what I call the New York Times hit piece against Tim Cook, where they're talking about how Tim Cook is making Apple his own. Now, on the surface, it seems like a pretty sensible article. We have supposedly responsible journalists from the Gray Lady or the newspaper of record reporting about Tim Cook, and that's fine. Except there are problems with the article, and I'll give you a couple of things that bothered me, of which there are many. First of all, they mentioned that Tim Cook took over when Steve Jobs died, which of course is not true. He took over as the full-time CEO of Apple several weeks before Jobs died, plus had served as interim CEO when Jobs had taken sick leaves. Okay. And had been there since 98. Of course. Well, they realized that. And then the second thing is where they quote somebody saying that Steve Jobs is the John Lennon and Tim Cook is the Ringo Starr. <laughs> now, maybe because Starr kept the beat. As a drummer who keeps uh, a solid beat, Ringo was one of the best out there. Maybe uh, maybe I not. I don't know. But I think they were thinking of him as being the goofball who said things like, it's been a hard day's night. I don't know what they were thinking. Well, one of the problems with an article like this is that, as they mentioned, they, they, Tim Cook declined a specific interview. And when people who are on the outside and have not met and talked to these people or spend a lot of time understanding Apple... What they can do is they can go out and collect information and research it and put it in terms of an article. But what annoyed me was that it came time to sound balanced and reputable. They brought in these outside snide quotes from people. Show me the innovation. Show me the new products. So they have these hitmen who they're quoting from the outside as authoritative vehicles to presumably bring balance, but just simply upsets what they're trying to do in the article. And I, that's something that, that annoyed me. There is something called a false equivalence. This is very common in journalism these days, where instead of trying to find out the facts, they decide that I will have the positive side and the negative side. So right. it's like having one guy who says the moon is made of green cheese and another person saying, no, it's not. That's what we call false equivalence. Exactly. Another thing that bothered me about that article was the drive-by shooting of the iPhone 5C, which they described in their own words as disappointing. And I'm going, where's the evidence for that? Apple never released sales numbers. Daniel Aaron Delger, who's been on your show many times, has written an article about from his insider information that the iPhone 5C did very well for Apple in, in combating Android in certain markets. So they're kind of drawing upon this euphemistic uh, understanding in the market that the 5C failed as, as a kind of, a, again, one of those slams on Apple that's unwarranted. That kind of unbalanced the article. And then finally, at the end, there's a comment from a Mr. Brown who said, this is something that Steve wouldn't have done, as if he were some authority on Steve Jobs and his opinion about what Steve may or may not have done carries weight and is a powerful uh, balancing and 
contributory thing to this article. So that bothered me too. We're well aware in the Apple community to be alert to this idea of an opinion where you say, well, Steve Jobs would never do that. Steve Jobs handed the reins over to Tim Cook and said, use your best judgment. You're smart, you're talented, you're well-trained. Use your own executive judgment to run this company. And so I found that rather unsettling uh, to end the article with. And famously, Steve Jobs told him, don't think what would Steve have done. Right. So the article has this cloak of respectability, but with these uh, snide and unwarranted, unbalanced shots at Apple based on lack of understanding of Apple and that false balance that you were talking about. What's the term again? Well, false equivalence. False equivalence. That's right. Now, the other thing that bothered me here is they completely misled about the Worldwide Developers Conference. To them, it was just the new developers tools and health kit, which they call health app. That was it. They didn't mention a new iOS. They did not mention a new OS 10. Well, again, I think that's a, a lack of perspective. You know, I went to 19 of those WWDCs in a row, and I felt like I got a pretty good idea about what Apple tries to achieve at WWDC. If you've never been to one, that keynote can seem awfully dry and technical, and you don't really understand the implications. You can't put all the pieces together and see how everything that they announced is driven by and built on the infrastructure of what came before. And so it just kind of blows by you, you know, as a boring kind of thing, especially when that engineer started writing code. That's where you tune out and and you're you're sitting there as a journalist thinking, you know, where's the flash? Where's the trash? Where's the exciting new hardware? Where's the dancing girls? <laughs> you know, and so you don't have the insight to write properly about what you saw during the WWDC keynote. But you kind of worry about a place like the New York Times. It's supposed to be a respectable place, respectable reporters who have a respect for facts. But you're finding that in technology, they're going downhill. There's another person who writes for the New York Times. She does blogs there. Her name is Molly Wood. I worked with her over at CNET. I don't know if you know her or not. No, but, I don't. Okay. Now, I had some situations there where I had run-ins with her. And after a while, I stopped working with her. And the reason is, I would write an article, and I remember famously something about the early versions of OS Ten. She had to have some negative points, so she makes up some things, puts them in the article, and they're false. And I write her and say, this is not true. You're putting my name to this article and you're adding stuff that's just not true. Would you correct it? No, of course not. And there was another situation here where she reviews the Mac Pro. Now, the Mac Pro famously advertised that with the new version of Final Cut Pro 10, you could run several 4K, which is Ultra HD, video streams without stuttering. And famously, she reviews it. Some friend brings her over the displays or something, and she gets stuttering all over the place. And one thought came to me. Did she bother to use the updated version of Final Cut Pro 10 that was optimized yeah, for the Mac Pro? Issues. If she didn't, she'd have a problem, but she never addressed that. The technology issues can get over your head very quickly. Well, she's been reporting technology for over a decade, and it's all over her head. I know I don't like to criticize people, but the New York Times has really gone downhill in the quality of their coverage. Is Remember when they famously still- attacked Apple for problems with Foxconn, one of the oh, okay. contract factories they use in Asia, and they never once mention in the Times that Dell uses them and HP and all of these other companies use the same factories. 
Well, the goal is not necessarily to be very deeply technical or to uh, uncover deep truth. The goal is to make money, create a sensation, right? Exactly. Put Apple in the title. Get a big hit count. Remember, the New York Times has been having problems. Circulation of the newspaper is going down. They're trying to make money from digitized content. So, for example, you get a certain number of free articles if you go to the New York Times site. After that, you have to pay for it on a monthly basis to continue to read the content. I don't know how well they're doing. And maybe this is the way to, they think, well, generate more profits. That's something that always amazes me. You know, I've been doing this uh, writing on the Mac web since 1997 at Apple Links with uh, John Farr and, and Joe Ryan. And you know who all the players are. It's a community. It's like astrophysicists or, or sous chefs or, or Mac web. You know, you know who the guys are who know what they're talking about. So if I see an article by Jason Snell or Christopher Breen or by uh, Rocco Pendola at the street, you know, I know that they know what they're talking about. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a community of people who've been there doing this for years and years, and we all know who their names are. Well, we all know what this is, and we'll find out about it in a moment. We have John Martellaro joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
Today is an important day. It's your day to be ready, take care of your family, and buy your emergency food supply from the Freeze Dry Guy. Because today, the Freeze Dry Guy introduces our Mountain House and Packaway one month food supply. Today, get the Freeze Dry Guy's 30 day premium unit, normally $364, sale priced at $263, save $101. Buy two cases, normally $727, sale priced at $506, save $222. Or choose three 30 day premium units, normally $1,091, now only $748, save $343 from the freeze-dry guy. These premium units are packed with the highest quality Mountain House entrees, meats, vegetables, and Packaway brand freeze-dried pineapple and dehydrates, such as milk, ABC stew, and rolled oats, 289 half-cup servings. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48. Hurry, our Mountain House and Packaway one-month supply sale ends soon. So call now, 866-404-3663. Question, could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So basically, the tech community, especially those reporting about Apple. It's a small community. Everybody knows one another. And you have people who get in there and they want to pretend that they know something. And they simply repeat these conventional wisdoms, these memes that are actually false and pretend that this is something significant. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer who has much more to tell you. I'm going to name names. Please. There are people who you should read. Kirk McElhern, Ted Landau, Bob Levitas, Ryan Foss, Steve Sandy, Peter Cohen, Johnny Evans at Computer World. By the way, Johnny Evans is going to be on the show after your session. Excellent. Excellent. He's a good guy. Uh, people like Ben Bajorin, uh, Rene Ritchie at iMore, just very knowledgeable, very astute about Apple. John Kirk, an attorney who's very good at tech.pinions. Brian Hall, who writes brilliantly about Apple. Uh, Leander Caney. These, these are people who've been around for a long, long time and know what they're talking about. Glenn Fleischman is another luminary who, who writes really well and has good understanding. And so I look at this article of the New York Times and I see Brian Chen. I think I've seen his name before, but Matt Richtel. You look at some of these articles at these other journals and you go, who are these people? I've never heard of them before. They didn't, they certainly didn't call 
Jason Snow, editor-in-chief of Macworld, and say, well, what do you think of this? It's, it's amazing to me. It continues. Well, here's one of the problems here, is that the reporting about the WWDC, the Apple Developer Conference, was so, so distant from the reality, it's incredible. In fact, you did a feature about this, how Apple's WWDC keynote blew away all the editorial nonsense. So let's get into that in more detail. Okay. Well, this was a part of a particle debris. For, for those of you who follow me, you know that every Friday I write a column called Particle Debris. And page one is a preamble where I kind of write up my observations and editorialize about something I saw during the week. And then page two is a collection of news debris that didn't make the TMO headlines. Kind of interesting technical stuff that I know the readers love, but, you know, which didn't make it into a regular story. And, and there I was talking about how. For a long, long time, there was a, a lot of Apple bashing. And then when you watch the keynote at WWDC, you realize that it takes your breath away, the scope and the depth of what Apple's trying to do. I, I think it injected a lot of technical level-headedness into the discussion because I haven't seen quite so much whining since then because a lot of people kind of slowly came to understand what Apple's trying to do with HomeKit and, uh, and HealthKit. Uh, these are the frameworks that developers can use. It gives you a keener sense of the technical foundation of what Apple's really trying to do. It's sobering to see all that work that the engineers have done and putting all this together in the keynote. And it also is sobering in the sense that you had your own provincial idea about what Apple ought to be doing. And then you, you look at what Apple's really doing internally. And then you realize that they don't don't think like you do. And they have their own projects and they have their own market understanding of what needs to be done. And so um, I was pleased to see the, the keynote broadcast widely for everybody to watch um, because it, it, it just took the winds out of the sails of those who were hysterical about how Apple couldn't innovate. Well, they seem to forget that if you didn't have the software, whatever hardware Apple produces would be a solid brick, wouldn't do anything. It's very much about the software. Yes, the design looks pretty and it works fast and it's smooth to operate. But the operating system is the entire framework on which all this is built. You know, it's a shame that more people are not able to attend WWDC on a, on a uh, hey, let's go and spend a week basis. It's so competitive and Apple's got a lottery now where you put your name in the ring and you know, you get you get selected. So I remember in the 90s, a lot of us who worked for Lockheed Martin, uh, I would take a week of vacation, actually, from Lockheed Martin because they, would, they wouldn't pay for this. The Oak Ridge National Laboratory did. They sent me because they wanted to know what was going on with Apple. And that was Lockheed Martin Energy Systems. But when I was working with uh, Lockheed Martin Astronautics, they said, well, that doesn't really relate to us. And, and so I would take a week of vacation and go to WWDC. And I was meeting with a uh, some Apple employees, and we'd go to dinner uh, on Sunday evening before WWDC started, and that's how I got to know some key people at Apple, and eventually got hired. But when you when you go to the, the WWDC, you, know, you get a chance to meet with engineers. Occasionally, you get a chance to meet with some executives. Uh, when I was working with Apple, I was able to bring key customers in, you know, get them a pass and they would pay their own way to come to WWC and get a hotel and they would attend the sessions. And after a week of these sessions and the state of the union and the keynote and having some fun with stump the experts and the Apple design awards, 
you feel like you're really connected to what Apple's trying to do. I can't imagine how people can sit at a distance and and never having been you know on campus or been to a WWDC or been to a Mac World when Apple was involved and really understand what Apple's trying to do. You just get glimmers and pieces. It's like the, what is it, the Aesop's fable about the men trying to understand the elephant. They're blind, and each one touches a different part of the elephant and tries to figure out what's going on, but they're blind, and so they all have a different idea about what this elephant looks like. That's kind of like what's going on. So the fundamentals here is that what Apple's trying to do just isn't being understood. But then you even compare the changes, the number of changes in iOS 8 or OS 10. And you compare the number of changes in a typical release of Android. And there hasn't been a major update of Android in a couple of years. There's always been, you know, minor 10th of a point releases from 4.3 to 4.4. There haven't been that many improvements. And Apple has got a huge number. But instead of focusing on that, they'll say, well, there's three or four things that Android does that Apple hasn't done yet. So therefore, let's throw it out the window. Well, the way I perceive it is, is that the, the Google's DNA isn't as deep as Apple in terms of solving the human machine interaction problem. Uh, there are geek technologies that you can throw at the issue and advertise them. Uh, NFC is a good example. Uh, Apple may eventually use it, but if what they do, it'll be for a very specific and good reason. But I, I kind of see Google as a company that that has a lot of money and a lot of smart people, and they try out things to see if they work. Whereas Apple has this deep understanding and legacy of attacking human problems from a fundamental standpoint. And, and so when Apple comes out with features in their new operating systems, those features are designed to do something specific, not just be cool. Um, not, example, just, not just exist as a single solitary feature. Of course, Google is also famous for introducing everything in beta format and then killing stuff. You know, okay, here's our new beta and isn't this great? And then maybe two years later, they kill it because they don't care about it. It's just something that has a little bit of flash and that's it. Like Google Glass. I mean, is that going to (laughs) come out as a retail product available for everybody or just a few people who are who like to wear glasses with little things on them. They watch the TV show Continuum or something. I don't know. John Martellero joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com.
What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's Powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. With that chuckle, I wonder if John Martellaro knows what the TV show Continuum is all about. Oh, yeah. I've been watching that for a long time. I'm, it, it's backed up on my DVR because I've been watching some other shows, but that's a kind of a neat show. I like that. I watched the entire first season with great enthusiasm. Yep. I know what, you, what you're talking about. And I've even used screenshots from that show in one of my articles about uh, Google Class. In case you're wondering, Continuum is a Canadian sci-fi show, which is seen on the Sci-Fi Channel in the United States. It's all about time travel 
and it also features the lead character who is called a protector, who is physically enhanced with superior vision, almost like a TV screen. I think Google Glass is a great initial prototype. I don't think it's ready for prime time, but I think it's something that's coming eventually. When it can fit on a contact lens, then it'll be invisible to other people. And uh, it'll do what it's supposed to do without being so obnoxious in your face kind of thing. Well, remember also Google isn't around to make money selling Google Glass. They're around to somehow monetize it with ads. Yeah, that's another part of the DNA that's missing is is that they have all this money that's generated from ad revenue. And so when you have a a giant hammer, like Tim Cook was talking about, uh, you have the world's best hammer. Oh, no, who was it? It was it was. President Obama actually was talking about the military, and he said, when you have the world's best hammer, it doesn't mean that every problem looks like a nail. I think that's uh, the difference between um, Apple and Google. For for Google, everything looks like the advertising nail, and everything is driven from that perspective. And when you have that view in life, it's going to color how you approach product development. Very different from Apple. Well, also, you have to look at some of these other companies and how they're doing, like for example, Samsung is a Samsung is a press darling. You know, may extol the virtues of the Galaxy S5, and guess what? The thing is not doing so well. Have you heard about that? Yeah, we did. Uh, TMO wrote an article about that. Yeah, sales were less than they had projected. Yeah, and, and, and that has something to do with this uh, uh, whining about maybe Apple screen does, don't have the highest resolution. But I wrote about these... Amazon Kindle Fire HDX commercials, where they were showing how it had better resolution, weighed less. And and it's all in that vein of the car commercials that we've seen. I've talked about this before, where some car company, you know, is trying to make a name for themselves, will come along and they'll say, well, the the Yugo has more headroom than a BMW and more trunk space than a Jeep Cherokee. And you're going, yeah, but it's still a Yugo. So, so when Apple doesn't necessarily have the best display, everybody gets all excited and says, well, Apple's losing its thread. But when you look at the, the sales, the Amazon Kindle Fire HD, according to the IDC numbers I've seen, has about, oh, I don't know, a few percent of the marketplace. And the iPads have, what, 40 or 50%. Samsung has about 20 or 30%. And then a whole lot of other Asian tablets have the rest. So for all the fanfare, about how the speakers are better on the Kindle Fire HDX and it has higher resolution display, it's not getting anywhere because it, the approach to the, the product is different than Apple's. It's, everybody knows that it's just a vehicle for reading books and selling you stuff. And, and the quality and the, uh, the, the great capacity of the iPad to do a lot of different things unrestricted has led to the 1.2 million apps for the iPad. And, uh, and customers don't seem to mind. They're, they're, they're loyal to Apple as a company. They know it's a good product. And they, they have no problem going into the Apple store and buying an iPad. It's sort of the situation Microsoft used to be in. You know? Well, the thing you also realize here is that specs don't always translate to something that's visible. You could have more pixels per inch. But at a certain point, you have the retina display where any more pixels you add are basically not visible. Sure, and it could drive up the cost. It could be that it doesn't uh, integrate well into your uh, other technical engineering facilities of the uh, iPad. It could be that 
Um, Apple has a roadmap and they're heading in a certain direction. They want to try to do a certain thing. You know, maybe they, for just as a rough example, this is crude and non-technical, but just for the sake of argument, you could say, well, Apple's know, knowing that they're going down the path of using a certain kind of processor with a certain kind of capability in a Sapphire display. And that kind of dictates what kind of display they're going to have now and what kind of display they're going to move to in the future. And they have that plan. And when somebody on the outside comes along and, and competes against the iPad and says, well, we've got this specific feature, makes it better than the iPad, Apple just sort of shrugs and says, well, sorry, hey, that's not where we're going and our customers still love us. Well, the thing to bear in mind here is it's not individual parts, but the sum of the parts, the user experience, the entire widget. It's not looking at one spec or the screen is sharper or it's AMOLED or it's this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, for all the writing that we do, and those writers I mentioned in the previous segment, for all the discussion about how Apple tries to create this balanced architecture and where the whole is more than the sum of the parts, you still see publications banging on Apple for this or for that, or the fact that the iPad doesn't have 802.11 AC yet. And of course, we know why it's a big drain on battery power. You know, it, 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 it just continues unabated um, because I guess it works in some circles for clickbait. Again, you put the name Apple in the title. It's like this. Somebody had an article, and I didn't read the article because the title was so stupid. It is, are Macs too cheap? And I guess the comment was about the new low-end version. Oh, I know somebody's going to. I wrote an article just today about that. I know somebody's going to come out and say, Apple's damaged its brand. It's selling iMacs dirt cheap. And, you know, Apple's doomed because they're they're their brand is deteriorating. They came out with a cheap Mac. That's nonsense. Explain this, what nonsense. this is all about. There's a new version of the 21 and a half inch iMac. And what they did is they put the processor from the MacBook Air in there, which yep. is dual core instead of quad core. It's a low power chip. They put in a cheaper graphics, integrated graphics chip. And instead of a terabyte of storage space, it's 500 <laughs> megabytes. Okay. Now, Probably in terms of real world performance, it's not going to make much of a difference. No, not at all. But and it's got the 2.7 gigahertz turbo mode, it's got all the modern technologies. It's beautiful aluminum, it's an IPS uh, display, Uh, it's got a USB 3, it's got Thunderbolt, Um, it's all wrapped in this gorgeous package. The customer knows that uh, for the kinds of things they're going to be doing. Uh, it's fine. They've got that turbo mode uh, when it's necessary. Otherwise, it's low power. Uh, so it's not going to be really hot and have, you know, fans whirring. Uh, there's a certain psychology here. We talked about it this morning in the Mac Observer Daily Observations podcast. Yeah, you can spend a couple hundred dollars more and get a much uh, more powerful machine. And that's what the geek would look at. But on the other hand, the average customer with iPhone in hand goes into the Apple store and they think, well, maybe I need I need a new uh, PC as well, and I really love my iPhone. And if Apple makes such a great phone, let's see what kind of PC Apple makes. And then they look at these gorgeous 21-inch and 27-inch iMacs, and they know that they need it for uh, you know income tax and for banking and for doing certain kinds of publications, maybe related to work. And they want to do some some programming. There, maybe a, a young student needs to do some Java or C programming on it, so they know they need a 
a good desktop machine, but they don't need the ultimate. And and part of the rationalization process is says, you know, do I need to spend two hundred dollars more for really cool computational power, or can I save two hundred bucks, get a really nice computer for ten ninety nine that does ninety nine percent of all the things I need it to do? And there's a there's a powerful element there of of salesmanship that Apple and Apple understands that they know how to hit these price points and they know what their customers are after. Also, Apple has been much, much more aggressive about Mac pricing. And we'll get into a lot more with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. 
Click the mic and enter code PLOW. Hi, I'm Dr. Lorraine Hurley, and I've got news for you. In 2009, a team of doctors won the Nobel Prize in Physiology for discovering that the ends of chromosomes are protected by coverings called telomeres that control cellular aging. Immortalium nutritionally helps extend the lifespan of telomeres and is the most advanced anti-aging supplement to date. Healthy cell growth depends on healthy chromosomes, and healthy chromosomes depend on telomeres. Call 855-315-8326. That's 855-315-8326. Or visit drhurley.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Lorraine Hurley, here to tell you about an amazing pain relief formula. Unlike Tylenol, Advil, or Ibuprofen, Lividity Pain Relief Formula is completely non-toxic and actually stimulates healing. Lividity Pain Relief comes in a gel or capsule, and in my years of helping people, I've never seen anything like it. After rubbing a small amount on an aching muscle or a sore joint, many people report the pain is gone within a minute. Call 855-315-8326, that's 855-315-8326, or visit drhurley.net for more information. you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl live. John Martellero of the Mac Observer joining us. Of course, there was this suggestion by some that maybe Apple's trying to make the Mac too cheap, but as personal computers go, $1,099 ain't cheap anymore, nor is $899 for the MacBook Air. For Apple, it's less expensive than it used to be. Apple has been drifting prices downward slightly. I know why this is. It's, it's an effort to further damage the PC market. You know, the, the iPad and tablets in general have been taking a big bite out of the PC market. We call it cannibalization. And, and Apple has sensed that uh, when there's declining sales in a market, companies lose interest. And they can invest a lot of funds in technology. And they see that they need to jump on the tablet bandwagon. Uh, they see the, the run of the standard PC kind of coming to an end, Windows 8 notwithstanding. And so they're kind of losing heart a little bit. And so Apple looks at this and this says, you know, we still need, as Steve Jobs said, you know, we still need that truck. Lots of people just want to get a car, put it in drive and, and go, and that's their tablet. But some people need a pickup truck for moving stuff around and for doing more exotic things. So there will always be a need for a PC. So Apple, I think, is pouring on the coals here. The, the first salvo was, of course, the post-PC era on the tablet. The second salvo came when Apple introduced this awesome Mac Pro in 2013, like, oh, we've got the best truck. We're going to lock up that market. The next round came when Apple introduced the MacBook Air in April, and it didn't have a retina display. Why? Because that would have raised the price. If you're going to go after the PC market, you want to lower the price. That's why it didn't have a retina display. If you need retina, you got money and you're a professional, you buy the MacBook Pro. So this 899 MacBook Air is intended to further damage the PC market and lure people over because they've got their iPads and their phones. And you look at these MacBook Airs and they're thin and they're beautiful and they're aluminum and not real expensive. And you're not going to go buy a PC with all the headaches you've heard about with Windows 8, even 8.1. And then the next salvo was this entry-level iMac we talked about today, which gives Apple an inroad into people who are sick and tired of their PC. Um, they switched to a tablet or an iPad and they thought 
that's all they needed. And now their life is getting a little more richer and complex and textured, and they're ready to go on and get another PC. They don't want to buy a Windows PC. They've heard so many bad stories about Windows 8. So they say, well, if the, like I said before in the previous segment, if this phone is really nice, let's see what they have in terms of, of PCs. And you look at one of these 21-inch iMacs for $10.99, and you go, wow, that's slick. That's really cool. I can afford that. So Apple's just pouring on the coals, and my article tells it all. The title is Apple's new entry-level iMac will create heartburn in PC land. I believe it will. Well, we look at other companies and what they're trying to do. Hewlett Packard's solution is to fire people. That's how HP is going to grow the market. They're going to fire people. Well, I guess that doesn't do it. Now, Dell is moving away from the PC. They're trying to get into other services, trying to move into high-end servers, things like that. Well, that's probably smart on Dell's part. Uh, They have a history of selling rack-mounted servers, um, equipment for scientists and and clusters and, and for business purposes, running servers for, for Windows Enterprise and things like that. That's probably a good thing to do. Yeah, it's good. They're going to shrink the market, but they got kind of booted out of the consumer market. Well, because there's no difference from one company to another. Tell me the difference between a Dell and an HP personal computer with similar specs, other than the product label, maybe the coloring of the case. Right. Another thing that Apple's doing is they're, they're not trying to merge iOS and OS X, but they're trying to make the two interoperate very much more nicely. We saw some of that at the WWDC keynote, too. OS X as a Unix operating system and its legacy and its heritage is really cool, and it does a lot of neat things. There's no reason to try to force it into being another iOS. But what you can do is, is, is make life with your phone uh, a lot more friendly, and they demonstrated some technologies like AirDrop and Handoff, and better linkage between the two. So, life with your with your Mac and your iPhone and a family is better integrated. But the two operating systems remain distinct, and that's a nuance that's lost on a lot of people who are gung ho about iOSification or don't see what Apple's trying to do along these lines. It certainly, it doesn't seem to me. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but it doesn't seem to me that Microsoft is doing all that well in integrating Windows Phone with the Surface Pro. Well, now the Surface Pro 3, I've seen the commercials, and among the things they tout are the fact that it has Skype on it. Well, you can get Skype on Android, on an iOS device, on a Mac. So what are they touting? I have no idea what they're trying to show. They don't demonstrate the Surface 3 offers anything that you can't get another product from somebody else. There's nothing unique about it other than it's slim and kind of ungainly looking. (laughs) Well, they failed in the tablet market and took a huge write-off. I think it was in 2013, almost a billion dollars. They failed to compete effectively against Samsung and Apple in the tablet marketplace. So then they thought, well, hey, we're a business company. We should turn this tablet into a competitor uh, of the notebook computers. And so you won't need a notebook computer because you've got a tablet and a notebook. And what it turns out being is not very good at either. And I haven't done extreme calculations, but my sense is that you could buy a decent notebook computer and an iPad and get your job done uh, for the for what they're selling the high-end Surface Pro 3 for. The Surface and, Pro 3, by the way, costs more than a 15-inch MacBook Pro with Retina display. And the keyboard 
the keyboards don't compare and, and setting it on your lap it's not balanced correctly you know you've got a light keyboard and a heavy relatively more heavy tablet display on the high side and the aesthetics of having a base area where you rest your hands on the keyboard and having a light display on the top creates a nice sense of balance of the device you don't feel like it's going to be tipping over all the time so you've got a pseudo tablet that tries to compete against no comp notebook computers and the keyboard leaves you cold when it comes to what you really want to do with a keyboard and then it's running a mobile operating system windows 8 that is not really designed for mobility from the ground up like coco touches it doesn't seem to be a very appetizing product to me yeah I wasn't too impressed with the Surface 3. I know I did request one for review. They probably won't acknowledge it because they figure I'll know what it's all about. But I'm not impressed with it at all. And they haven't made a case for it. There is no case for this product. Because the only item they're selling it against is the MacBook Air, and there's no comparison. It's not even cheaper. Mm -hmm. Let's buy this ungainly-looking thing with the clumsy keyboard, the thin keyboard that's not very usable. And we'll pay more than a MacBook Air. Well, remember, Apple's invested years and billions of dollars in man exotic manufacturing techniques. The unibody, the, the laser uh, cutting of the aluminum and building these devices that are awesome, that have a nice, pleasing feel. Johnny Ive is behind this, and Tim Cook is to some extent, in their investments in the tooling and the robotics and the machining to make a really solid cool looking device that doesn't cost a whole lot microsoft is kind of new to this game and so their supply chain i don't think is as sophisticated as apple's and then of course they're using an intel chip instead of an arm chip and so they've got to have a aircraft carrier class battery to feed the uh the intel chip in the surface pro so and then they started going down the road of an arm chip in that previous was it the Surface RT, which was blindingly confusing to customers <laughs> because it didn't run the x86 apps. Oh, man, they really backed themselves into a corner with that. As I recall, um, I think they're dropping the Surface RT tablet and they're going to go Surface Pro completely because the, the Surface RT was a confusing tablet. It didn't, it didn't sell very well. It didn't run x86 apps. It was an attempt to go to low power, but they didn't provide a low power mobility operating system. So they had to kind of um, doctor Windows to run on it on the ARM processor. And uh, I, I wrote an article about a young woman who went into Staples and bought one of these Surface RT tablets thinking she was going to take it to college. And then she figured out she couldn't run her legacy x86 apps on it. So she brought it back. And her, I met her parents in the Staples store and they were trying to figure out what to do and how to get their money back and what kind of computer they were going to send her off to college with. And before we get the answer to that dilemma, a Staples store, I have stories about that too. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. A little right, a little left, but all independent-minded the genesis communications network gcn 
Henry Ford once said, a man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Alex Castle here, the National Account Executive at GCN. I have the ability to customize a national radio campaign based on your budget while targeting your demographic. Contact me to find out how national radio can help your business be more profitable at 877-996-4327, extension 177. That's 877-996-4327, extension 177, and help me help you bring your business to the next level. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Of course, we will never get advertising from Staples, I fear. Okay, you're in the store. She has this Surface RT tablet that doesn't work because it doesn't run her legacy apps. And what happens next? Well, the parents were there with her and they were kind of confused. My wife was with me too, and she's pretty technical. And we overheard the discussion. So we kind of walked over and offered a gentle guidance because, you know, I'm a a writer for the Mac Observer. So I... I can't keep my mouth shut. And and it turns out that there were some key apps that she needed for school that wouldn't run on this. And so they were in the PC section and they were sizing up conventional PC notebook computers uh, running Windows 7 for, you know, five or $600. And they were about ready to approach the Staples people on how to get their money back. But I think I had kept it too long when they maybe they were outside their 30-day window for returning. So they were a bit frustrated that they'd made that mistake. And it just made me think about how confusing the product was. When you compare that to the elegance and simplicity and the, and the focus of Apple. Oh, there was an article this week that showed the 20 or so different versions of the Samsung Galaxy tablets. You remember seeing that? There was a, a photo array of all the different Samsung products. And next to it was a, a photo array of Apple's products, iPad iPad mini. There's this classic syndrome of buyer's remorse where you go in, you're confronted by a wide range of products. You don't really understand the impact of what you're doing. 
like that young woman in Staples. You end up buying a product, you take it home, and then you and then you start messing around with it, and then you realize, oh my God, it doesn't do something I needed it to do. I didn't understand that. It wasn't communicated to me in the advertising. And now I wish I had bought a different model. Uh, Apple doesn't make you do that. Apple says, okay, here's the iPad Air. Here's the iPad Mini, smaller, lighter, does the same thing, same operating system, does all the same stuff. So Apple makes the decision painless. You don't have the buyer's remorse. You take home a quality device, you touch it, you feel it. It's got that Johnny Ive feel to it in terms of the aesthetics of holding it in your hand. There was nothing else you could have bought that was more expensive, except maybe more memory, but that's not such a big deal. You usually, you know, you know what kind of memory you need when you buy the product. So when you get it home, um, you're pretty happy with it. And there's no such thing as buyer remorse compared to the psychology of trying to fill every niche and void and smother the market with every possible different version of a product. I don't know why companies do that. They're afraid to make a decision. I think it's a lot about that. They're afraid to say, okay, these are the products we think will work for you. It is, we don't know what's going to work, so let's build a lot of different products. <laughs> uh-huh. Like a, a Samsung <laughs> Galaxy right. smartphone, there are 97 different versions of it. You have yeah. no idea what they're all about. And maybe that's why they're not selling a lot. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Apple has courage to say, this is what we think that is going to work for you. I think Steve Jobs said that one time. He says, customers don't know what they want until we show them what they want, what they need. And that's so Apple has that built-in courage to say, look, we're going to define the product. We're going to boldly put it out there and present it to you. And you're going to take a look at it and hopefully it'll be pleasing to you. And if it's not, you know, you wouldn't buy it and Apple would, sales would be miserable. But guess what? Sales are awesome. So Apple's doing something right. Speaking of sales and products, let's look at another piece of discussion from you. Are you ready? John Martellero says, for Apple's next hardware platform, the iPhone. But the iPhone's here now. Explain. Well, you know, there's been a lot of pressure on Apple by uh, uninformed observers, analysts, journalists, bloggers to come out with new, exciting hardware. And the argument they make is is that, okay, the uh, iPad came out in, in 2010. The iPhone came out in 2007. So we got this artificial three-year window and say, and they say, okay, now it's 2014. By our schedule, it's time for Apple to come out with the next generation hardware, whatever that is. Of course, we won't say what it is because we have no clue what it is, but we just think Apple should come out with a new toy for us to write about. And so Adam Christensen um, had this notion a while back about the idea that Apple already has the ultimate hardware platform for display when you think about what apple's doing it's it's got all these frameworks like cloud kit and health kit and home kit and all these other frameworks for integrating software and collecting information and connecting to the cloud and integration between apps and doing things and that all surfaces to you in um a display and this display could be you know mobility google maps on an iphone it could be an astronomy app or a weather app on a tablet, nine-inch screen, or it could be the 21-inch iMac we were just talking about. So you have this integrated spectrum of display devices, and then you've got underneath that, you've got the um, integration of bringing all things together. And so Apple didn't go out and try to build a home automation solution. They didn't try to duplicate what 
companies like Quickset and Schlage were doing with Vox. They didn't try to duplicate sprinkler systems and come out with their own hardware. They said, what we're going to do is we're going to provide an integrated infrastructure framework called HomeKit so that developers can build apps that connect all this information and display it on the best device that everybody already has in their pocket. I can just see the meeting now where people, engineers were talking about, well, how are we going to present this information uh, on all the home automation? You know, how are we going to show them what the temperature is and how are we going to show them the status of their lock on their front door? And one of the engineers says, well, everybody already has an iPhone in his pocket. What better place to display it? We just need the software to bring it all together. So Adam and I talked about that and uh, agreed that I would, I would write it up. And that article was from uh, June 3rd called, Are You Ready for Apple's Next Hardware Platform? The iPhone. And again, I, I think that this kind of took some observers by surprise because they were expecting, we'd, we'd had heard about this initiative for, for home automation. Um, and, and even Martin Hajek, who's a brilliant artist and, and computer graphic person who does renderings of potential Apple products had come up with this Apple TV like looking product that had an LCD display and, and you were supposed to hang it on the wall like a thermostat and it would display all your home automation information. The problem with that is, is that you don't want to get up and walk over to the thermostat to see whether your front door is locked. You want to pull out your iPhone from your pocket. You want to control your Apple TV with the remote. You want to check on the status of, uh, you know, a door lock. You want to set your thermostat. You want to do all this with your with the iPhone that's in your hand. And that's, again, a courageous move by Apple because they already have the infrastructure, the operating systems, the frameworks to display this information to you on your phone and tablet. Why do you need new hardware? Why indeed? Okay, the hardware platform that's already there. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you about this other article here. The unexpected way Apple's growth is exploited by competitors. What, pray tell, do you mean? Well, when Apple was a smaller company, you know, 2000, 2003, 4, 5, they were pulling in about $6 billion a year. And they were focused primarily on Macintoshes. And then the iPod, as we know, came along, and then the iPad and iPhone, and then the iPad. So Apple started growing dramatically. And the revenues were explosive. And I think they're a $150 billion a year company, something like that. When you grow like that, there's a tendency to want to do a lot because you've got a lot of money. I mean, Apple could have taken some of the $150 billion they have in the bank and converted into, you know, building an engineering team and spinning out a subsidiary and saying, you know, we're going to take over this market or that market and uh, hire a VP and, and uh, you know, poured a lot of resources into doing something. But they didn't do that. The philosophy has been like Steve Jobs taught Tim Cook, say no, keep it simple, solve problems. Don't confuse people with an exotic product line. Don't get out of your league. Focus on what you do best. And when you do that, you kind of have to hold back a little bit. And in some ways, Apple's held back on what I perceive to be the evolution of Time Machine. They've held back on um, RAID support for family storage. They've held back on uh, at least surfacing to the user uh, the, the details of IPv6, which we, we will be and need to be moving to rapidly. We'll get so, into what else Apple has held back and more in our final segment with John Martellero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237. 2237 extension 129. Today is an important day. It's your day to be ready. Take care of your family and buy your emergency food supply from the Freeze Dry Guy. Because today, the Freeze Dry Guy introduces our Mountain House and Packaway one month food supply. Today, get the Freeze Dry Guy's 30 day premium unit, normally $364, sale priced at $263, save $101. Buy two cases, normally $727, sale priced at $506, save $222. Or choose three 30 day premium units, normally $1,091, now only $748, save $343 from the Freeze Dry Guy. These Premium units are packed with the highest quality Mountain House entrees, meats, vegetables, and Packaway brand freeze-dried pineapple and dehydrates, such as milk, ABC stew, and rolled oats, 289 half-cup servings. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48. Hurry, our Mountain House and Packaway one-month supply sale ends soon. So call now, 866-404-3663. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective.
effective and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So for various reasons, Apple has held back on certain features. I guess they also avoid confusing a lot of people in doing so. Right. The idea is to keep things simple, um, to solve problems, to, to, to provide delight. And, and, of course, you can see that in their gentle steps into the cloud where they got their feet wet with first syncing and then later uh, under a little bit of competitive pressure and demand from customers and also pushback from developers who weren't real happy with iCloud, uh, finally got you know, iCloud storage for, for consumers in a, in a more visible, pleasing way. So, so Apple's always on this cusp of trying to keep things simple, and yet the company's grown by leaps and bounds. And, and so there's gaps in, in, in things that you, you would like Apple to do. You know, Apple got out of the uh, server market. They used to have this awesome server, one year rack server called the XServe. They got out of that. Time Machine desperately needs an update because of the f- fragility of its infrastructure and, 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 and the expanding storage needs of a family. It used to be in the old days, you had a Mac and you had an external drive and you connected it and you had a Time Machine. Now you've got a family and you got two kids and you got four iPads amongst you and you got three iPhones. You got a husband has a work Mac and the wife has a Mac for her small business. And all of a sudden the the family architecture uh, is getting complicated and uh, it's all tied down with the iTunes and iCloud. And it's, it seems to be kind of a problem. And so what companies do is they perceive these gaps for Apple and they come in with these piecemeal half-baked solutions that make Apple look bad. And they say, well, look, we have a solution here, A, and we have a solution here, B. And then and it's all jazzy and it's all wrapped in a bow and everything. And then writers look at that and they go, oh, wow, Apple can't keep up. Apple isn't being innovative. Apple isn't solving these problems. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's an illusion. And it's, and it's the challenge for Apple too. Apple can't do everything, but whenever they decide to you know, keep things simple. There's always some business opportunity for somebody to to step in. There was an article I wrote a, a month or two ago about this company building a super desktop computational powerhouse. I forget the name of the company. And they had this cute little video ad where two guys are talking and one's so proudly holding his Mac Pro, the black cylinder. And this other geek guy is reading the newspaper and he says, oh, does it have this? Does it have that? Does it have all these extra cores? Does it have these super advanced technologies? And and the guy with holding the Mac Pro in his hand is forced to admit that it doesn't have the ultimate of all these other things. And so the company feels like, you know, they can attack Apple by doing something that Apple's not doing in certain markets. And what they find out is, is that their audience is very small. 
that they're not making a whole lot of money. They're appealing to a very special geek crowd. They can pat themselves on the back, but when the time comes and the market opportunity comes, Apple will wipe them out. Look how many companies have been sort of absorbed in technology-wise by Apple moving on and doing things. So it's, it's a constant challenge. I wasn't suggesting that Apple was doing something bad or something good, but was rather that because of the way Apple conducts its business, there are these gaps, but you can't be swayed too strongly by companies that come along and try to fill in the gaps. They see a market opportunity. They're going to run with it for a while. Of course, they're going to try to put Apple in a bad light. And uh, it looks to other observers like, well, if Apple's a wealthy company, why, why can't they just do everything and stomp on these companies and uh, you know, make everybody else irrelevant? And Apple doesn't try to do that. They don't try to drive every company on the planet out of business. As we know, they stick to what they do best. That was an interesting editorial. I had fun with that one. Indeed you did. So before we let you go, what's the message that we give to people who looked at the recent WWDC and say, well, you, Apple didn't introduce anything new? Ask your, the message is, ask yourself what you really need. Look at your family technology, figure out what's, what's really essential for you, and then figure out whether Apple's providing a solution to the things you need to do. Don't be distracted by fancy ads, by comparison charts, by TV ads that show that their product is better than Apple's. Sit back and, and look at, make a list, sort of be, a, be an IT manager for your family and say, what challenges do I face? How do I need to operate my network? How do I need to back up my apps? What kinds of products do I need? How do I want to how much do I want to pay and what kind of product profile do I want to have in my family and see whether Apple solves those problems. And chances are that they do. Otherwise the company wouldn't be so successful and, and don't get distracted by somebody saying, well, my Samsung phone has a bigger display and Apple's being a doofus uh, or my tablet has higher resolution than yours. So there, and you made a bad purchase decision. Be confident just like Apple. Be confident of what you want. Be confident about your purchases, about the solutions from Apple that come and try to pay attention to how the company's trying to do that for you. And, and then you'll have better insight into what Apple's trying to achieve. Like we said in the previous segment, all those people who are whining about hardware and how Apple needs to make a big splash uh, because iPad uh, market share was dropping and they needed to move on to the next big thing, misjudged what Apple was trying to do and already has the hardware that it needs. And um, so you probably already have the hardware you need. So don't, so don't get too uh, fretful about the competitive marketplace. Companies will always try to make you believe that their product is the best. When Apple's the expert at integrating infrastructure, your iPhone and your Mac are going to work better and better together. And they'll be quality products. And it's something you can be proud to own, and they'll function pretty good. You won't have a lot of headaches. That's my philosophy. I will not mention, of course, the new Amazon smartphone with 3D. <laughs> I mean, that's nonsense. Understand now that TV makers, what are they doing with 3D? They're giving them up. Like Vizio, one of the largest TV makers on the planet. They well, stopped producing 3D sets for this year. Well, what's creepy about this Amazon phone is it uses the front-facing camera to figure out where your face and your eyes are so that it can do the math behind the scenes based on, you know, your eye separation and, the, and location to generate this 3D effect on the display. 
It's just a toy. Uh, when, I, when Apple introduced Parallax and iOS 7, turned it off right away. I didn't want things shifting around on the display. People will talk about this for about five minutes and then they'll forget about it. A whole, the whole phone thing from Amazon is a boondoggle. It's just, we're doing it because we can, because we want you to have a device in your hand that reduces the friction between you and buying something you want. And we're going to make it real easy for you to just pull a phone out of your pocket and touch and have something shipped. And oh, by the way, it makes phone calls too. Gee, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to have that 3D phone, really. So I could buy some books at Amazon or download some instant video. Would that be 3T2? I don't know. I'm not even going to get into it. Because we have John Martellaro here. Please tell us how we can get more of your stuff. Uh, I am uh, John Martellaro, Senior Editor for Analysis and Reviews at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. And I'm writing also from time to time at The Street, thestreet.com. John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure. See you next time. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, 
Mexican, six vegetable, and black bean olive. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today. Eat them every day, take them camping, or save them for an emergency. Check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon. That's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in Oregon by Oregon Trail Foods. 30dayfoodsupply.com Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Computer World's Johnny Evans joining us. He has written largely about Apple for a number of years, since 1999, which, by the way, is the first year that we started the TechNightOwl.com blog. Although I've been writing about Max longer than he has. Okay, Johnny. Hey. Hey. I was remarking before we started this episode that you sound very much like Bob Hoskins. That's why I was about to call you Bob. That's strange. It's becoming sort of like subconsciously programmed now. It's nice to think that I'm now a diminutive London gangster. (laughs) Is that what you really are in real life when you're not blogging? No, I'm retired from that now. I'm a very good boy. (laughs) <laughs> retired from that do you have a day job uh n- no this is my day job i'm um writing is my day job it's been my day job for so long now um writing about apple is a particularly large slice of my day job but i do write about other things from time to time i'm still sort of saving up for that amazing dystopian sci-fi novel <laughs> oh okay well i have written several science fiction novels with my son two are published one we're still working on but he's busy getting his master's, so we'll have to wait till he finishes that. He lives in Madrid, by the way. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you get to go there? Unfortunately, no. I haven't had the money lately. I hope that maybe we'll get one of our listeners who wants to donate a couple of plane tickets and, you know, a couple of nights at a hotel. But Let's crowdfund it. <laughs> yeah, let's crowdsource it. That's a good idea. We'll crowdsource a trip for Jean and Barbara Steinberg to go to Madrid, Spain, to visit Grayson Steinberg. Hey, that's a cool idea. Why not? Someone might love us enough. <laughs> okay. Now, amongst your pieces for Computer World, you did an article, oh, probably about a week ago, called 18 OS 10 Yosemite Details you probably don't know about. Now, our listeners know, even if you're not a user of the Mac platform, that Apple's new operating system 10.10 will be called Yosemite. 
Now, to preface this, I have mentioned this over and over again. Every time you hear the word Yosemite, I think of the cartoon character Yosemite Sam. (laughs) The Looney Tunes character. Yeah, I remember him. (laughs) I think of the Yosemite Mountains, but that's only because I've seen them more recently. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Now, this is interesting here because we're going to focus on one of them in a moment. But for people who are wondering, they're either using a Mac now or they are planning to consider it. Can you tell us some of these 18 features that they can really look forward to? And then we'll talk about continuity and a problem. Let's start with the stuff that's simple. Oh, there's so many new features. uh, Rather than focusing particularly on the features that I will, it, it is quite amazing to think of the difference between you know what we expect from operating systems on any platform including apple's um, today and what we used to take for granted you know when we started writing about this you before me um, um but in 1999 um and that sort of like technological movement forward is amazing and underpinning so much of that is the internet um so effectively what we have now are systems which enable us to create and publish information fast and actually into the real world or the digital real world um, and also receive that information at the same time. What we haven't really got good at yet is curating that information, um, managing it and making it usable. And I see lots of movement within that to sort of tame that information flow, things like notifications, things like um, increased communication features within uh, mail. Those sort of elements are are important steps towards taking, the, if you like, the the sheer gigabytes of information that's flying around and making it manageable for people. And I think that's part of what the plan is here, to, to take... The Mac, and indeed, it's not just the Mac, it's it's Apple's whole platform now, if you like, a conduit to control the digital information which increasingly dominates our lives. Um, I think that's a useful thing for features. We look at things like Dashboard, which will disappear, um, but we also look at iCloud becoming more and more inherent to the system um, and the move towards sort of um, um, cloud-based platforms and the future tech potential of such technologies to drive all the other things Apple's meant to be working on. That sort of glue that ties things together. You see that in HomeKit. You see that in in CarPlay. You see that in in HealthKit. The ability to take information, to segmentalize it, to make it useful to other products and other partners to help create a much wider ecosystem. That's part of why it was such a significant WWDC, I suppose. HealthKit really impresses me. And I mentioned this on the show before, and I'll be brief about it. I think anything that can simplify the methods of putting all your information about your state of your health in a single place, make it readily accessible by you, by your doctor, is a big thing. Now, I don't know how it works in the UK, but I'll give you an example of how messed up our system is. So recently, I went to a doctor and I had a gastrointestinal issue, which we won't mention specifically. It's, you know, They actually call it IBS, and you can look it up. Oh, that's very unpleasant. Oh, it really is. So Mm. the doctor says, you know what? Why don't you take a colonoscopy? At your age, it's been a while. Go take it. I said, okay, fine. Now, the way this office is set up, it's one building. It's a group practice. On one side, you have the doctors. Remember, these are private doctors, not public doctors here in the States. One side is the doctors. The other side is their outpatient surgical center both owned by the same people but separate corporations for tax purposes, not for record-keeping. So in going from 
one practitioner to the surgical center owned by the same people. I had to fill out the patient information form again by hand. (laughs) And every time I talked to somebody getting this diagnostic procedure, the nurse, the anesthesiologist, they each asked me the same questions as if they had no awareness of any previous information. Now, part of it is, of course, they want to be sure what's going on because if they make a mistake, there's a danger of being sued. So they don't want to be sued. They want to make sure they do things accurately. So they ask you the same dumb questions. And the problem is, as you might realize, Johnny, and that is you forget something. You know, yeah. You're being asked the same question. You're maybe in a state of discomfort and you're just sick and tired of answering the same dumb questions. You make a mistake. What happens? You know, it's very similar in the UK. Okay, in the UK, we have the remains of a public healthcare service, despite various political masters and their determination to remove anything that's free, because, of course, we don't need that anymore because socialism's dead. The onus remains on the patient to remember. In fact, increasingly, it seems to me that when dealing with the medical profession, you have to almost be a doctor to diagnose yourself in order to tell the doctor the right information so they can diagnose you. That is, of course, incredibly challenging. We don't all know our bodies quite as well as we should. People don't necessarily have the language, even the way of expressing what they feel or what's physically wrong with them in a way that a doctor can understand. And people inevitably find talking about themselves in that way more or less embarrassing, depending on who they are. Um, Anything which enables them to present accurate, clear if you like, um, uh, calibrated information to the doctor has to be welcomed because it enables you as a health service user to deliver the information that the practitioner can understand and it's information that the practitioner can make sense of. Without that information, you're down to anecdotes. And when it comes to anecdotes, that's where you get misdiagnosis because somebody may not identify correctly even where it hurts. We've all had a pain in our leg, which turns out to reflect something elsewhere. That's not particularly uncommon. So in that sense, by improving the sensor availability and improving information that can be delivered to people and and tracked um, and enabling that to be shared with a medical professional, hopefully, and certainly all the reports seem to say it does work, we'll see an improvement in, in, in both in terms of accurate diagnosis and more importantly, perhaps, enabling doctors to give accurate diagnosis with limited time within an aging population in which there aren't enough doctors to serve everybody. Uh, And that's the key to digital health, really. We have a population which is aging more rapidly than we have doctors recruited to serve them. We soon won't have enough doctors per person to give everybody effective healthcare. Now, there's a devil in that in terms of private healthcare. You can see how that will go. But the, the potential of digital processes to help enable doctors to care for larger congregations of people has to be welcomed. And so for within, within those terms, within the sort of real social economics of, of, of what we face here, I do hope that digital health can make big differences. Johnny mm-hmm. Evans from Computer World joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Have you ever noticed how many sick and miserable people there are? I'm serious. I'm talking about people of all ages who have conditions and diseases which affect their quality of life. Most of them seem to have one thing in common, polypharmacy. That is dependence on multiple prescription drugs with side effects that actually make them sicker and sicker, not healthy. The good news is that people are waking up to the fact that if you supply your body with all of the nutrients it requires, you will feel better, be healthier, and have a better life. It's important to know that Beyond Tangy Tangerine is the 
the most amazing, great-tasting, comprehensive nutritional supplement. Besides supplying all the vitamins our bodies need, it also supplies the necessary minerals that are required for the vitamins to kick in. Look, folks, I'm hooked on it, and I think if you try it, you'll become hooked. This stuff really works. That's why I'm urging you to make it part of your daily health regimen. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com to secure your canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine today. Sign up for auto ship and save on shipping costs. That's Beyond Tangy Tangerine at InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We have Johnny Evans joining the Tech Night Isle live for the first time. I remarked on the remarkable resemblance of his voice to the late Bob Hoskins, and we're focusing on some of the things that Apple did, such as HealthKit, which could revolutionize the way we keep track of a person's health and the record-keeping process and all this nonsense you go through when you're just getting the most minor treatment, the pain and agony. Now, one thing they're also doing, I guess some doctors now, will actually talk to groups on a Skype connection, but how do you personally touch the patient and look at the patient to diagnose them. That seems to be kind of a problem. Yeah, that is a problem. But there are some interesting uh, experiments, well, not experiments, some interesting field tests that I've read about. One in particular in Africa. You know Africa, huge space, not always particularly well populated. So you end up with maybe a small village of, in the mountains and the nearest medical facility can be three, four, five hundred miles away. How do you care for these people? How, for example, if someone is pregnant, does a doctor maintain care of that pregnant person and be in a position to sort of like uh, get involved if there seems to be a problem? And what they're doing there, that you know, we're talking old tech. We're talking mobile phones and text messages between a, a doctor and patient to sort of monitor their condition. While that's not as good, obviously, as actually being there to touching and feeling, it does at least mean that they are getting some kind of um, of care. And it, it sort of seems to have, um, I can't remember the precise statistic anymore. I think it was a World Health Organization test. It may have been someone else, but they seem to have a, a positive impact in terms of stillbirths and, 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 you know, those horrible, horrible things which happen sometimes. Um, so even if the solution isn't as perfect, it is at least still more perfect than nothing at all. Let's move on with some of the other issues about what Apple's working on, of course. So we were talking about HealthKit, which is part of iOS 8, but let's go back to OS 10 Yosemite. Now, one of the big features demonstrated, this is the one that got a lot of play, which is handoff. So, for example, you start a document in Pages, the word processor on your Mac, and you have to go off to work. So, you know what? You'll take your iPhone with you or maybe your iPad, and you're taking public transportation, so you get in the subway and you pick up on the document you're working on. Now, the problem with this feature is that it appears to require a version of Bluetooth that's not supported on older Macs. So if you have one from 2011 or 2012, there's a reasonable chance it's supported. If you have an older Mac, it's not. Would you explain this confusion? Apple didn't. 
Apple hasn't said anything yet. And at the moment, you know, all of these stories, and I wrote another this morning, but all of these stories are based on a report from a German sort of Apple-focused website. It does make sense, though, given the limitations of classic Bluetooth in comparison to Bluetooth 4 stroke LE stroke smart, however you want to call it. Um, um, Bluetooth LE is better at recognition, sensing and exchange than classic Bluetooth. Remember that awful pairing process, which has improved, which is a kind of why I think there's a, a strength to the claim. Again, Apple hasn't said anything. It's possible they may be able to do something with Wi-Fi pairing. It's possible they may be able to find other ways to supplement the Bluetooth stack in, in order to enable this uh, support on more Macs. However, it, it has, does strike me as kind of probably revealing that Apple were one of the first companies to put out Bluetooth LE on a mass market shipping product when they did the iPhone 4S. And it is also, I think, potentially revealing that the iPhone 4 isn't supported by iOS 8. There could be a connection. It could be something for nothing. And until we know for sure from Apple, we, we don't know. But the uh, inherent capabilities of Bluetooth LE enable the kind of solutions we're looking at and indeed will be essential to things like, you know, the so-called iWatch and all the other future devices which are being talked about, whole families of devices, um, they really require the new version of Bluetooth and, and, and aren't compatible with, with the old version um, in very simple terms. Um, does that make any sense? We know that you can buy a Bluetooth LE adapter, a USB mm. adapter for Mac, Windows, Linux for $4.99 from Amazon. But Supposedly, that doesn't work because Apple's requiring the native Bluetooth implementation. Now, that doesn't mean Apple isn't going to find a solution. Remember, we're about four months from the release of OS X Yosemite. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about what's in the developer releases. There will be a public beta. I say semi-public beta. It's limited to a million users. There'll be a public beta this summer and then a lot of Mac users will get a chance to talk about it, and we'll see how it comes. Because I will tell you this, the early developer releases are very, very shaky. I won't give you the list of problems, but there's a huge list, and we'll go from that. I'm not allowed under NDA from Apple to review it or post screenshots, but I can tell you there's a lot of stuff they have to work on. It's going to take some time, and then we'll get a better picture of this. So we'll never say never. But I would hope that if that is the case, that handoff is restricted to recent Macs, Apple will be so good as to tell us so. I hope for the same. And I do think the logical, uh, what, what Apple did last time they made a transition to Bluetooth, which if you recall was when they introduced wireless keyboards and mice. Um, at that time, Bluetooth wasn't necessarily built into then currently supported Macs. So what they did was they kind of teamed up with D-Link and championed a D-Link USB uh, Bluetooth adapter. Now, I imagine that working with a particular manufacturer to ensure that their particular Bluetooth USB dongle is is more capable of supporting Apple's technologies and any supporting technologies or, or stacks they may have built around that would be the most obvious way that Apple go. And I would hope that even if the Macs don't inherently support handoff stroke continuity, we will see them introduce a, a, a solution like that so that people with relatively new Macs, as particularly in the current economic environment, are locked out of the advantages of a, a fully integrated platform. I agree. Well, I suppose they could build a software patch that yeah, you install if you use the third-party adapter or just have it there working for those who need it. Now, let's go on to some other features and stuff about OS X Yosemite. Now, the function of the infamous green button apparently has been changed. It used to be that 
it would either expand to the full screen or to the width of the document you're working on. Now it goes to full screen mode, but there's a way to just make it bigger like you did before, the old Mac way. And that is how? Just use the option key, man. <laughs> just use the option. When you, when you tap the green button, just hold down the option key um, and, uh, and you'll get the old behavior. Otherwise you'll get, I think it's a bit logical, really. You'll get full screen. <laughs> okay, now there's another thing here which is called batch rename. Now, the reason I'm going to bring this up is this is a common problem. You, for whatever reason, need to rename a number of files. So you go one by one, you click on the name, you enter the name, you go to the next one, you click and wait, by the way, to enter the name. There are third-party utilities that handle this, like a better finder rename. You've heard of that, right? Yeah. Okay, now... There is supposedly going to be a renaming feature built into OS X Yosemite. How extensive is this? Uh, you select the, as far as I can tell, you select the files, you do a, you do, you, you, you do a control click, um, and it's there as an option in the, uh, in the menu that appears. So you can then rename those files. I assume then that it's a pretty basic feature it's not quite as extensive as a better finder rename uh i have not been able to experiment with it directly but i don't anticipate it's going to be a complete competitor with a better finder no well we understand here apple is known to as they say sherlock third-party products sherlock being taking us back to the days when they had this all-around search utility for the mac called watson and Apple simply duplicated the functionality in something called Sherlock, and suddenly the publisher of Watson had a product that was dead-ended. Back in the old days, when I used to hang out with much more cynical members of various parts of Apple's developer community, um, uh, there used to be a saying that Apple eats its young. <laughs> um, uh, some people still believe that's true. Uh, but yes, it's, it's true to say that there is a pattern in which Apple will, from time to time, pick up a useful feature and add it to its system. I agree. And yes, but that did happen to Watson. <laughs> I now, guess the opportunity has to be, um, given the strength of the ecosystem and the vibrancy of its customer base, uh, a developer more or less takes the risk of, well, you know, I'll, I'll spend some time and I'll, I'll build this and hopefully it'll be popular. And hopefully um, I'll be able to create a reputation stroke, greater business um, out of this solution. Um, and hopefully Apple won't imitate it too quickly. Well, maybe imitate's a strong word, but you know. Sure, or, or maybe yeah. they'll buy the utility, and we have examples where Apple actually bought third-party utilities and made them part of the Mac, and we'll go into examples of that in a moment. Yeah, yes. Johnny Evans, and he is the Apple-holic guy. That's me. That's <laughs> him. He's the Apple-holic. Yes, he admits it, except no substitutes. You can barely say it three times fast. And he writes for Computer World. We've got more to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Johnny Evans joining us, the Apple-holic for Computer World. And Computer World, by the way, is owned by the same people who bring you Macworld. So it's all one big happy family. So there you go. And we're talking about various and sundry things related to OS X Yosemite and, of course, Apple in general. A lot of things to talk about there. Now, I should mention here, before I was talking about Apple Sherlocking third-party products, sometimes they buy them. Like, originally there was... It was an Apple menu items utility before OS X and the classic Mac OS where you could adjust the sidebar of different displays, number of recent documents, applications, etc. Some of that functionality is part of OS X. In any case, Apple bought the utility and merged it into OS X. There was something called an extension manager. An extension manager being, in the old days, we had these control panels or extensions that add functions to the system. They used to call them inits. And the variation under OS X is called kernel extensions. In any case, they had a way to turn them on or off for troubleshooting. And Apple bought a third-party developer, I think he worked for Apple anyway, extension manager and became part of the Mac OS. And then they bought a product called SoundJam Plus, written by a couple of programmers, including Jeffrey Robin. They bought the program back around 2000 or so, and it became iTunes. And of course, Jeffrey Robin is a vice president, 
now for Apple. He's still working there, and he's still one of the leads on iTunes, and he helped work on the software for the original iPod. Cool guy. I know him. So the point here is that sometimes Apple will not just subsume the functions or borrow them. They will actually buy the product and sometimes even hire the people. So maybe that's the hope, too. You come out with something which is needed because the OS doesn't do it. And you can always hope, number one, you'll get enough business to keep going for a while before Apple discovers it and adds it by themselves, or that Apple will buy it from you and maybe make you an employee. What do you think? Well, I think that's a worthwhile game plan for anybody, any any ambitious developer who wants to work for perhaps the most successful software company in the world is it's to uh, build some really good software. I was thinking about this today, returning to our original point, Passive Semi with their particular skills in, 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 in processors and tweaking performance out of processors and their understanding of wireless technologies, including Bluetooth. And I wonder how much input from Passive Semi, that they bought Passive Semi a year or two ago, um, has got into the new continuity feature in OS X. Um, you, you sort of see that continuous dance between Apple and its purchases and acquisitions and, and you know, the, the future features of, uh, of its operating system. It's always good fun to speculate on how these things may turn out. It usually comes out completely differently, but it's fun to speculate. There's a whole industry of it. But certainly Apple may eat its young, but sometimes it treats them kindly. Well, of course, we look at some very obvious acquisitions Apple made, like, of course, buying the chip maker, and we have the A-series chips, buying Siri and getting Siri, buying Authentech and getting Touch ID. So, you know, Apple is very busy at doing stuff like that. And then there's an article you did very recently for Computer World, The Wearable Future of Apple's Beats, a Fantasy. Uh, yeah. Now, we know that Apple bought Beats Electronics, which makes... Fancy headphones. Some people feel overpriced or maybe too much bass, but I gather they're working hard to improve the audio quality. And Beats Music, which is a really good music streaming service with hands-on participation by DJs and musical artists. The point here is you've got this article. What is the fantasy? The fantasy. Oh, there's so many different levels of this fantasy. I spent, like everybody, I spent some time trying to figure out the Beats deal. So many people didn't seem to understand it. I don't understand why they didn't understand it. I began to see lots of advantages to the deal. For example, um, you talk about human curation of, of the music that you listen to. Now, I remember back in the olden days when I was a tiny, tiny child and I used to like punk music, that when I would go to my local record shop run by enthusiastic people who really loved their music, and I would say, I'm quite into Sisters of Mercy, and they would recommend another record by another band and it would be fabulous and hey suddenly you find that you're also listening to Hawkwind because you've met someone who is really enthusiastic about music and recognizes perhaps you know links between music which are not necessarily easy to determine using software and that kind of human interaction with music that sort of beat if you like it has always been part of how music has spread how how love of music has been shared and as music becomes increasingly sort of dominated by Simon Cowell, it, it probably is quite important to make sure that there's still some kind of facility for people who are enthusiasts for music to share their actual musical sensibility, which is based on a different kind of understanding, a more intuitive understanding, because even though it's math, it's quite intuitive stuff, music. So part of the fantasy could be that Beats will end up merging with iTunes to add a human element to your iTunes purchases. So when you actually go into iTunes, there's someone, an actual human being there, perhaps even in a chat window, who's going to be telling you enthusiastically about why you should listen to this other piece of music as well. 
That's one element to the fantasy. Another element to that fantasy could involve you making your own playlist and while you're wandering around with your Beats headphones on, listening to that playlist, perhaps you're streaming it from iTunes. Who knows? Maybe you own it. Maybe it's on the small drive inside your headphones. Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Johnny Evans joining us, the Appleholic for Computer World. And Computer World, by the way, is owned by the same people who bring you Macworld. So it's all one big happy family. So there you go. And we're talking about various and sundry things related to OS X Yosemite and, of course, Apple in general. A lot of things to talk about there. Now, I should mention here, before I was talking about Apple Sherlocking third-party products, sometimes they buy them. Like, originally there was, there was an Apple menu items utility before OS X and the classic Mac OS where you could adjust the sidebar of different displays, number of recent documents, applications, etc. Some of that functionality is part of OS X. In any case, Apple bought the utility and merged it into OS X. There was something called an extension manager. An extension manager being, in the old days, we had these control panels or extensions that add functions to the system. They used to call them init's. And the variation under OS X is called kernel extensions. In any case, they had a way to turn them on or off for troubleshooting. And Apple bought a third-party developer, I think he worked for Apple anyway, extension manager and became part of the Mac OS. And then they bought a product called SoundJam Plus, written by a couple of programmers, including Jeffrey Robin. They bought the program back around 2000 or so, and it became iTunes. And of course, Jeffrey Robin is a vice president now for Apple. He's still working there, and he's still one of the leads on iTunes, and he helped work on the software for the original iPod. Cool guy. I know him. So the point here is that sometimes Apple will not just subsume the functions or borrow them. They will actually buy the product and sometimes even hire the people. So maybe that's the hope, too. You come out with something which is needed because the OS doesn't do it, And you can always hope, number one, you'll get enough business to keep going for a while before Apple discovers it and adds it by themselves, or that Apple will buy it from you and maybe make you an employee. What do you think? Well, I think that's a worthwhile game plan for anybody, any any ambitious developer who wants to work for perhaps the most successful software company in the world is it's to uh, build some really good software. I was thinking about this today, returning to our original point, Passive Semi with their particular skills in, 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 in processors and tweaking performance out of processors and their understanding of wireless technologies, including Bluetooth. And I wonder how much input from Passive Semi, that they bought Passive Semi a year or two ago, um, has gone into the new continuity feature in OS X. Um, you, you sort of see that continuous dance 
between Apple and its purchases and acquisitions and, and you know, the, the future features of, uh, of its operating system. It's always good fun to speculate on how these things may turn out. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, proflowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 Blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's proflowers.com. Click the mic and enter code PLOW. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganix.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. 
or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terraganics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Johnny Evans writes for Computer World. I do. It sounds a little bit like the late Bob Hoskins, but I guess it's because where you grew up. You grew up in the British equivalent of the hood. Yeah, I'm down in the hood, hanging out in my yard with my homies. That's right. <laughs> Actually, it's a couple of dogs, I think. Oh, it's dogs now. I'm a bit old, you see. I don't quite ever get it right. <laughs> Sometimes I get the young people to teach me new slang. You have kids of your own? No, I don't have them. Well, we gave up at one. We couldn't beat perfection. Now, looking at the WWDC, and we had a ton of software and introductions, a lot of potential there. And far too many members of the so-called tech media, I call them so-called because they don't seem to know what they're doing, said, gee, it's only software. Well, it's a worldwide developers conference, which means for developers, therefore, they want to know about software. Oh, they only introduced some new developer tools and this health kit. That, I'm thinking of the New York Times. They did this feature on Tim Cook. Did you read it? I've glanced at it. I've not had time to look at, look at it in any great depth yet. It's on my to-do list, which is a shame. But I, I did read that feature. And, and like so much of the reporting with regard to Tim Cook, I think it was in the context of some of the things which have been written over the last couple of years, it was relatively positive. But they still can't seem to avoid trying to find some way of doing a stitch-up job, no matter what anyone says. It surprises me. And here we are. Tim Cook, there have been complaints about workers' rights in the factories in China, and there has been movements made to improve workers' rights in the factories in China. Greenpeace have complained about Apple's record in the environment, and Apple has gone pretty far forward to improve its ranking with Greenpeace, who now accept what a driver it is, um, and to the extent that it put out that ad saying, hey, here's a few ideas we wish all our competitors would copy. Um, Tim Cook turns around in the middle of a shareholders meeting and tells a pressure group of climate change denial investors, you know, effectively get out my kitchen. How many times does Mr. Cook have to show the world, A, he listens, B, he cares, and C, he is completely focused, not just on the company and the products it makes, but also on ensuring that the company acts and indeed sets a role of what it means to be a good corporate citizen. In that light, is it really that surprising that some of the mouthpieces of perhaps the old ways of business thinking in America, see someone like that as a challenge and decide to try to tear him down. We, we face severe environmental problems. We have ice caps melting. Whether this is man-made or not is pretty irrelevant. One thing that everybody should agree on is that some kind of positive change is required, and that actually takes action. And Apple are taking actions, and they should be applauded for that. And everybody who criticizes Apple for taking those actions should instead be looking to the other companies who are not taking action yet and saying, why are you not acting? You mentioned your child. One day he will have a child. The future of our children depends on what we in this generation decide now, and if we really don't seem to have the luxury of time to sit around considering it, Apple is acting, I support them in action. I think Tim Cook has gained incredibly bad press. I have noticed that he's not Steve Jobs, but you know, he's Tim Cook. 
And he has a slightly different vision, and he's putting different things in place uh, to ensure, I think, that Apple is able to dig for itself a position of being the best software company in the world, which happens to also make some of the best hardware products. At root, it's a software company. Everything it does is driven by software. The ability to connect all the platforms together is driven by software. I just don't think they get it. I mean, the other point of it, I was having a chat with um, an old um, boss of mine some time ago who I won't name. In this, but he did know, you know, back when we were writing about it, Johnny, um, we were the only people writing about Apple. Everyone else just, just ignored it. These days, everybody's writing about Apple, from the Telegraph to the New York Times. And the people who write about Apple haven't been writing about Apple as long as we have. So ultimately, and I'm not saying this as a direct criticism, but ultimately, what really did they know? Well, one columnist famously mentioned the fact that Steve Jobs was the kind of person to build Apple from nothing into a huge company. But Tim Cook is a kind of person to take that big company and keep it growing. And I suspect also he's a more well-rounded executive because he focuses on more things, not just the operations and making sure the new product pipeline is good, but also dealing with the stock buybacks and the dividends and the stock split. In other words, dealing with a whole range of issues that maybe Jobs didn't have to consider when he first started. Well, they do say, don't they, sort of three types of executive. Um, I, uh, the one-minute man, the guy who likes to do startups. Then you have the person, and I'm, I'm not sure about saying man, really. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons why there should be more women executives everywhere. So hello, Angela Arendt, who I can't quite say. But we have some executives who are good at startups, some executives are really good at medium-term company flow, and some executives are really good at managing and sustaining companies in the long term. I think we may be getting Tim wrong to see him as somebody who is really just good at handling a larger company. I think that what he's trying to do is mold Apple into being a large company, which can sustain itself and you know pretty much compete as one of the biggest corp- well, the biggest corporation in the world. At the same time as trying to ensure that unlike HP, unlike Microsoft, unlike so many firms, it doesn't lose sight of the garage it comes from within the, the sort of a, the magic spell he's trying to weave within that company culture. He's trying to protect the innate drive that makes Apple move forward while creating around it the machine that enables to operate at scale. And you know what? I think perhaps in 10 years' time when someone looks at the history of what was actually done there and isn't trying to hawk a book about negative Apple privacy criticism, such as the woman who shall remain nameless, um, we may find he does quite a good job. I do hope so. The the theory always seems to be the truism that's bandied around. When the founder dies, the company goes down. Is that true? Disney? Ford? No, it's not true. It's um, it's another piece of received common wisdom that people mutter behind the halls and in the walls in an attempt to justify a position they've decided before they even begin to address it any in the actual analysis. It's annoying. And Apple reporting has been full of it recently for the last couple of years when there was a sudden sea change in that reporting combined, I think, with a sudden sea change in uh, Google logarithms. But I'm, I'm not one to say that. Wouldn't that be interesting? You know, you just gave us food for a conspiracy theory here. Now, understand, as you may not know, this is the first time you're on the show. I have a second radio show called The Powercast. It's a paranormal radio show. Right. And we talk about conspiracy theories. In fact, we're going to be doing an episode this weekend on the government UFO files, the UFO conspiracy. That's the plug, folks. Okay. So the conspiracy theory being here that if Google adjusts the algorithms to favor attacks on Apple, getting a higher placement on Google's search engine. Wouldn't that be an ultimate conspiracy theory? And wouldn't that be a reason 
why these stories get traction? It would be if it were true, and I would not be in a position to provide any evidence whatsoever that it were true, except that Google has had a pattern of favoring its own businesses above competitors in search, that Google now does occupy the position of being the world's news front page. It is. People go to Google News. Publishers now live in fear, I suppose, of a change in Google algorithm which may impact their business. A publisher can be doing quite a good business on the Tuesday, a change in algorithm which is not revealed to them or warned to them about can half decimate their business the following day simply because Google decides that it wants to operate on a different logical flow. What I think is ultimately irresponsible about that is that once Google takes itself into a position where it has become the world's news front page, it is also doing so without taking any responsibility for the news that it promotes. It's not acting in an editor in any sense of editorial objectivity. More to come. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's 
powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So you were saying, Johnny Evans, that Google does not provide editorial objectivity in setting its algorithms. You know, I read a really interesting conspiracy theory about Google. This was a few weeks ago, about Google's AdSense. Now, AdSense is basically a way that people monetize their sites, for example. They sign for AdSense, they stick Google banners on their site. Now, supposedly, according to this one person, when a company, a website gets too big, gets too much money from Google, they can be dropped for specious reasons. That Google perennially undercounts their hits and their clicks because if they do that, well, they don't have to pay as much for the ads that you generate. They don't have to pay as much when people click on the ads because they're saying that instead of having a thousand page views a day, you have five. Now, I know, and I'm not going to give numbers here, but I know that if I compare Google's stats for my sites with what I get from my own server, I got to trust what's on my server. I've got four different locking tools. I have four different locking tools to check traffic on my web server. So I figure if you average them out, you get a good picture of how many people are visiting the site. Google undercounts that. Hmm. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I saw that report too, you know, Gene. And, uh, and, and again, it's in that sort of a gray area where we have no proof and no way to achieve proof. And actually, when dealing with a huge corporation, we have to be kind of careful what claims we make about that corporation, unless it happens to be Apple. And, um, um, and it is a puzzle, isn't it? Perhaps wrapped up inside a conundrum. I, I remember when Google began. Um, I loved its front page. You know, there was no clutter on the page. There was nothing there to eat up memory, to steal processor cycles. You put the search in, you got the answers. I remember that because, well, I used it very early on Um, in the 80s, I think, uh, at some point. uh, My memory there is a kind of... Actually, Google came around in the late 1990s and the early 2000s. Mm, mm. It seems so long that it must have taken longer. 
Yeah, it must have taken longer. Um, maybe I'm thinking back to Netscape. Anyway, but um, 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 a decade. What's a decade between friends? But I remember that that was Google's main pitch, how it was an uncluttered user interface for your information. And increasingly, Google's business seems to basically consist of adding clutter to your information for your convenience. You know, freedom for convenience. Some say, back to Apple. <laughs> I wonder why Apple doesn't do search. It could. Um, it's, it's, it's received plenty of searches, even using Siri. Um, it, it does confuse me sometimes to think that one report I've read this week uh, explains, I think this is in the Wall Street Journal, actually, that Samsung has been meeting with Nuance, whose technology is behind Siri, in order to discuss an acquisition. I think that's a worry. It's a worry because of Samsung buys Nuance. Well, what's going to happen with Siri? Is mm. that going to hurt the technology? What kind of deal? On the other hand, there are reports also, once again, that Apple and Samsung are trying to talk sense into one another. And maybe there is more of that now because Samsung's mobile handset division is not doing as well as they hoped. For example, profits are down. They haven't sold near as many of the Galaxy S5 as they expected. And things are hurting. What is their next biggest business or their biggest business? It's selling parts to people. And they make a lot of money selling parts to Apple. So the smart thing to do would be, you know what, let's settle with Apple. Let's keep that gravy train coming. And that way we're assured of a good business. And if therefore, if we're having problems with mobile handsets, well, you know, we have something else to rely on. And maybe even try to do a little cross-licensing there. So they don't have a problem fighting Apple. It's so dumb. Think of it this way. We understand Apple and Microsoft fought for years and now... Of course, they cooperate where it's necessary, compete where it's necessary. Well, Samsung, it makes sense from a monetary standpoint not to upset Apple. If they want to compete in smartphones, fine, but be careful about stepping over the wrong toes. Precisely. Um, But you have to consider Samsung has built a really good business out of being the anti-Apple. All those, all the, all the Samsung versus Apple publicity has generated for Samsung a market identity, um, which has taken it away from being the people who make your TV, or maybe make your fridge, or maybe make guns, because they also make guns, and translated them into a brand that people identify now. Um, they've done quite well in terms of brand positioning by positioning himself, if you like, as the anti-Apple. So I think that part of this struggle has been you know, to be publicly seen as the alternative. So there's, I think that should be considered too. Um, in, in, there's a business case, of course, there is for Samsung to figure out how to get along with Apple, um, particularly now that um, most recent reports I was glanced at today, and I can't remember the source, uh, mentioned that in keeping with patterns every single year, Samsung smartphone sales in the current quarter have declined, um, which suggests, I reckon we'll see this in the IDC reports eventually, that smartphone sales have kind of flatlined again in the third quarter. Why? Well, I suspect it's because everybody's waiting for the next iPhone. Um, And so is Samsung. Because as we can tell from the way Samsung does their business, they often like to sort of, mm, I don't know, find inspiration um, in the bowl of water, which is uh, Apple's product design. So we'll have to see, I guess, if uh, they introduce a a tablet with a touch ID or their equivalent on um, this time next year. Uh, So I I think, you know, really, it's, it's, it's an innovation war. There are people who say that you shouldn't sue over patents. I think that sometimes you have to sue over points. 
And if patents are what you need to use to sue uh, over a point, then you have to go that way. And I feel, really feel, that Apple felt incredibly let down by one of their oldest partners, indeed a company they invested 100 million in in 1999 when it needed the money, um, enabling it to get into LCD screen manufacture, if I remember correctly. Um, that They felt really let down by a company quite clearly at that time releasing products which, to any layman, would look very much like an Apple product. We're talking about the original Galaxy models. Apple met with them and they refused to back down. They refused, you know, people who say Apple shouldn't have sued have to consider this. If someone goes up to you in the bar and you're with your girlfriend and insults your girlfriend and you ask them to leave them alone and they say no, what are you meant to do? What are you meant to do? Are you meant to say, oh, that's all right, then carry on? Or are you meant to say, no, stop now? I think mostly most people will say stop now. And Apple said stop now. At this stage, how can they withdraw? I'm sure that Apple executives would like to withdraw. It's costly. It's time consuming. And the courts being the courts, the victory is never certain. But there has been enough victories or enough sense of victories now, I think, that Apple can quite happily make a case for copying, as they sort of quietly did in the environmental ad, which we talked about earlier, where they sort of said, here's an idea we would like our competitors to copy. (laughs) Do you sort of follow my logic here? It's such a vastly complex war between two huge corporations. And ultimately, I don't see why Samsung's objects do have to have rounded corners. You could have a phone that was shaped like a star and you could call it the Galaxy. Why not? I think Samsung's next move will be to try to shift over to Tizen, their own operating system. What they have to hope for is that they've been able to create a level of customer loyalty and satisfaction, which will enable them to introduce Tizen-based devices to the mass market at scale and create sales. I think they might have a challenge doing that. Well, I did see a review of one of the prototype smartphones, which looked like a Galaxy generic smartphone sporting the new OS. And they said it looked a lot like Android. And you kind of think here, Samsung would very much like to not have to depend on Google, develop their own ecosystem, their own app store, and compete. And there's no problem with them competing, but they would have to have an understanding of how far they could go. And they'd have to at least try to urge their developers to be distant from what Apple does but still compete. There's no reason why they can't compete in the marketplace. Look at Microsoft and Windows Phone. Now, it hasn't gone anywhere, but the point is that Microsoft chose a somewhat different direction. There's no way you can confuse a Windows Phone with an iPhone. And that's what we call viable competition there. Now, maybe it is that Windows Phone will never go anywhere, but at least Microsoft is trying. Johnny Evans is trying to prepare for the next segment. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting, and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. 
Check out their Prime hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV you haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Our final segment with our visit with Johnny Evans. He writes for Computer World. He's the Apple-holic. 
He drinks the apple Kool-Aid. Is that where it is? I try not to drink too much Kool-Aid. It's far too sweet. Um, but I do try to keep a, keep a sense of logic and perspective about it all. And I do occasionally try to look underneath the story or beside the story to try and see another viewpoint. It's true to say that I, I kind of tend to be relatively pro-Apple, but I'm not exclusively pro-Apple. And I don't exclusively write about Apple. So sometimes I try to bring in insights from some of my other work into the Apple story. Some of the stuff I've been writing about recently has been about omni-channel and multi-channel marketing. It's quite dry, but also quite interesting. And when you look at Apple, and particularly with its new retail chief and the future there that they're dealing with, um, in order to focus on the consumer, provide a consistent approach across all its channels, that's exactly what omni-channel marketing is all about. Um, Apple kind of arguably, whether it did it deliberately or whether it stumbled upon it, even within its retail stores, was years ahead of its competitors. And once again, that's why it has one of the most successful retail chains in the world. And again and again and again within the Apple story, you see things, small things or seemingly small things, which grow into large things and make you realize that there are some very smart people at Apple, within which it's hardly surprising that competitors find it so very difficult to compete. But returning to what you were talking about before with regard to Windows Phone, Samsung, Android, I welcome diversity. The last thing I want to see happen in the smartphone universe is the evolution of the sort of monolithic, of one monolithic operating system which dominates everything and a few smaller competitors. That's kind of what ruined the PC experience back in the day. We had one monolithic operating system which ended up being insecure and buggy, um, which was then undermined left, right and centre in lots and lots of different ways and kind of limited the potential of what could have been done with that kind of platform on a global scale. We need to have good competition in the smartphone industry. I want Apple to feel challenged so that it ends up having better ideas. Equally, I want Microsoft to be seen not ridiculed for having a small market share, but actually accepted for having some market share and offering a different proposition. And I want to see more diversity from other manufacturers. So in a sense, if Samsung were to abandon Android and move to Tizen, it would be a good thing because then we would have more choice. There is not more choice when you have one basic inf operating system running everything. That's not choice. That's just different iterations of the same thing. Some good, some bad, many indifferent. If we want True choice, which allegedly, according to free market economics, is something which really works for the consumer, then we need to encourage decent, positive, creative competition. The last thing we need in this world, in the technological world or any other part of the world, and it's not reflective of what the world is, is stasis. And stasis always happens when one system gets too big. I think that we're looking at a position where one system is too big at this time. And so I welcome the inevitable splintering of that system and the inevitable creation of more deep competition in the smartphone marketplace or any marketplace, really. Um, Apple has a great story to tell, but why on earth would we want it to be the only one? Well, Apple does better when there's a lot of competition. Mm. Because in the personal computer world for so many years, the only competition was Microsoft. They owned everything. And Apple had problems there. But now, of course, in a more sensible world, they do a lot better. 
Indeed they do. And they did that by just focusing right back into the garden shed that HP used to talk about the garage um, when it was trying so hard to get itself back to the garage. And there were some great ideas coming of HP at that time. But, you know, by focusing just on one, a couple of simple things. What do people want? What do people like? How can we bring it to them? How can we make it usable? How can we make it something which is you know, powerful yet delightful? How can we take incredibly sophisticated technologies and make them approachable? Those are the sort of questions that Apple asks. And that focus on simplicity is endemic throughout the company. We've heard the stories of Johnny Ive talking, for example, I think at the design uh, museum one time about the amount of time they spent developing a spring-loaded screw for the back of a MacBook. Now, that may not sound like anything, and indeed, it's sort of like a, a classic example of something which sounds so unimportant but turns out to be vital. By doing that, they were able to create thinner, leaner machines, and it leads all the way to the MacBook Air that we have now. Good product design requires focusing on the tiny details and improving there. And when you put it all together, that's when you end up with something great. Other people, other companies, perhaps it reflects the sort of blatant disregard for, for the, the end users in, in the current age, focus on shifting boxes. That's not really the Apple way. It shifts boxes because it shifts paradigms. It makes ideas. It creates good examples of what humans can do. We can always do better. But as long as we have companies that think like that, then we have a chance of having better products. And if that thinking were even to be extended to the wider scale of our society, we might find that we had a better world too. As long as that thinking doesn't become endemic, our chances of getting a better world are quite reduced, I think. So Apple's here to make a better world, but make a lot of money in the process. Yeah, they make that money by delivering things people want, people enjoy, and people like and need. Um, they don't do sort of like, um, it's, not your, it's not your convenience in exchange for your liberty. These are convenient and you can use these to create more liberty. We don't give up our user data for Apple in exchange for using its things for free. We give up our money in order to get the best in class object that we use for a fee. Sometimes it's okay to make money. I think it's okay to make money if you make good things. I think that makes it all right. You know, if you make good food, you charge more for it, right? Well, we hope. I mean, there are sometimes the restaurant has a reputation for being expensive. Maybe the food is generic, but they get the hype. They get the publicity. Maybe they get the TV reality show and suddenly it's not real. I mean, it's a perception still after all these years that Apple is smoke and mirrors. Of course, it's not, but that's the perception. That perception is persistent. But then I think that maybe that doesn't matter. I mean, you know, the whole castigation of Apple Kool-Aid, the studies which showed that for some people, um, a love of Apple is almost a religious experience. All those things can easily support that way of looking at things, but ultimately it has to come down to, you know, customer satisfaction levels. Look how high they are. It may be smoke and mirrors, but if everybody used the same smoke and mirrors, then surely we'd all have a better time using better products. Using better smoke and mirrors. Well, smoke and mirrors that make you happy and work. You know, I think that's pretty key, isn't it? We have good ideas, we make them happen, and we make them usable, and people enjoy them. What other barometric is there? What, what other test is there except customer satisfaction levels? If people are liking the products at 96%, 82%, you know, that's a pretty good thing, isn't it? That's not smoke and mirrors. That's actually the story, you know? And, and I think that's why there's always so much enthusiasm and interest in what Apple does, and also why there's so much competition and um, bombast 
chucked uh, at what it comes up with. I think it's an endlessly fascinating story, and I, I do enjoy covering it. So what do you have coming out in the near future in your columns in Computer World? I tend to think of them um, tomorrow. <laughs> I don't plan them, Gene. I, I sort of um, work every day and find a new idea and research it and try to make something interesting for it. Again, my attitude towards that is the same. Um, I know that I'm not always 100% correct, but I do hope that I always give people a good reading experience, make them think, make them talk, sometimes make them angry. You know, I think that's a worthwhile thing to do with writing. That's one of the things I enjoy most about it. I like to stimulate debate and help people think different about um, what they think they already know about, where I can. And otherwise, I like to give them good tech support. <laughs> Annie writes for ComputerWorld.com. Is there any place else that we can find you? you find me here and there, but let's stay with ComputerWorld. It's my, it's my main ambition at the moment. I have a couple of other outlets here and there. But um, one, one I think might be worth mentioning is uh, I also edit the news for a magazine called Mac Format in the UK. I, I write the startup pages. I've been doing that for a few years. Um, it's what I started doing after I used to write the news for Macworld in the UK back in the day. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. We're Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And we also have that other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Paracast this week featuring Kevin Randall about the government UFO files. Check out our web portal at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. Johnny Evans, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, I hope it's been good. I've enjoyed being here. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.